This is Church Alive's teaching of the week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. Let's get into today's teaching. So we're going to wrap up our Christmas series today called The Christmas Gift. And y'all, if you would, please stand and give Pastor Nolan a hand. Amen. Oh, y'all cut it out. Cut it out. Y'all take a seat. Thank you so much. Who likes Christmas time? Yeah. You know, Christmas time is fun, but sometimes just all the, uh, well, I shouldn't tell you this. I really don't like Christmas music, though. <laughs> Christmas music is the hardest music to play for some reason. It just it is, and the hardest to sing. Has anybody, just a show of hands, has anybody got all your Christmas shopping done? Has anybody not even started on your Christmas shopping? All the men, raise your hand. All the men, raise your hand, right? That's, that's the way it is. So, um, so look, over the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Christmas Gift. And we've been examining, been looking at Matthew chapter 2, where the story of the wise men when they come to visit Jesus. And we, we have found out in Matthew 2 that Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the reign of King Herod. And the Bible says that Magi, or who we know as wise men, traveled, it says, to worship Jesus, the one who was born King of the Jews. I heard a story uh, about a local bank. And if you know, sometimes the local banks, what they do is at this time of year, every year at Christmas, they have a Christmas card art contest. Do y'all know this? Yes. Where they uh, ask for kids from the community to send in drawings of what Christmas means to them. And so this bank sent out a request for kids to, to send in their, their drawings. And they received hundreds upon hundreds of drawings that kids had sent in. And I want you to know they received a lot of Christmas trees, right? They received a... Uh, a lot of drawings of Santa Claus. They received a lot of drawings of Christmas presents. But when they were going through all the drawings, trying to pick a winner, they came across one drawing that a small little boy had submitted. And he had submitted a drawing of a nativity scene. And as the the administrators of the bank, as they went through all the drawings and they saw, got to this little boy's drawing, they were amazed to find this drawing of the nativity scene and how unique it was. You see, in, in this little boy's drawing, the bank administrators had seen, said, how great is it that this little boy has included our first responders in his nativity scene drawing? You see, the little boy in his nativity scene drawing had drew all the wise men dressed 
as firemen. <laughs> and in place of camels and in place of donkeys that they might have rode in on to see Jesus, he had, in his drawing, put, drew little fire trucks around. Fire trucks around. And the bank said, how great is this? We can honor our first responders as we send out our Christmas cards this year. It's a great thing. So the bank picked him as the winner. They set it all up. They sent it out, got thousands of these Christmas cards printed up with this little boy's drawing of the nativity scene with the firemen. And they called him and, and his family, and they set up a day for he and his family to come in, and they wanted to to acknowledge him for his drawing. They had all the local newspapers there. The local media people were there to publicize the event, and they had his drawing on display. And this little boy came, and the bank president came and congratulated him for winning their contest. They asked the question. They said, we have to know. They said, um, surely, maybe your, your, your dad is a fireman, and that's why you had to put the wise man dressed as fireman little boy smiled and he said, nope, that's not why. The bank president scratched his head. He said, well, okay, well, well, surely maybe you know how important our first responders are and how important firemen are. And maybe you've seen them maybe put out a house fire or respond to a natural disaster or an accident. And you wanted to honor them. And the little boy smiled and shook his head and said, no, that's not why. So they said, we have to know, why are the wise men all dressed as firemen in your nativity scene drawing? And the little boy took his mom by the hand, and he looked up at her, and he smiled, and he said, you know, every year my mom reads the Christmas story to me. And he said, my favorite part is when she gets to the part about the wise men, and I love the wise men and how they were all firemen. And the bank president said, Firemen, what are you talking about? The wise men are firemen. And the little boy exclaimed, yes. He said, every time she reads it, at the end it says, they had all just come from afar. <laughs> so Matthew chapter 2 is where we find our... our uh, some of you will get it in a minute if you didn't get it. It's pretty good. In Matthew chapter 2, we've been reading this every week, and it says this. It says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 says, When the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. Everybody say joy. joy. They were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So as we have discussed in this series so far, we talked about the wise men brought Jesus gifts, and they brought him the gift of frankincense was the first gift that they had brought, right? They brought him frankincense, and we discussed how that represents Jesus, our high priest. The next gift last week we talked about was, anybody remember? Myrrh. We talked about myrrh, which is fun to say, myrrh. Myrrh. And we know that myrrh, we said, represents Jesus, the Lamb of God. Well, today we're going to be talking about the last one, which is gold and how gold represents kingship 
Our gold represents that Jesus is our king. Jesus is our king. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this. The Bible declares, it says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God. He'll be revealed as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. So I want you to know today that because Jesus is our king, because he's our king, he has supreme authority over all the kingdoms of this world. He has supreme authority over the entire universe. The entire universe is in the hands of Jesus, our king, because he's a king like no other. So today I want to talk to you about three responses that we have to Jesus as king. Three responses we see to Jesus as king. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, or it's going to be on the screen if you don't, we're going to hang out right there in Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to look at what the Bible says. So in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says this. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, And they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? I want you to know as we look at this passage of scripture, and if you paint the scene in your mind today, I want you to get this picture. It begins with the arrival of the Magi or the wise men. As they enter in, and it says when they arrive, they go to King Herod and they ask, where is the king of the Jews? Now I want you to see with me what an absolutely charged moment this was. And to fully appreciate it, we have to kind of understand the historical background of this. First, we should note that king of the Jews was Herod's official title. Did you know that? Herod's title was king of the Jews. So the wise men come to King Herod the king, and they ask, where is the king? So you can imagine how that caught Herod off guard. But also, secondly, notice the exact language in verse 2. It says, the wise men ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? You see, Herod was an insecure king because he wasn't ethnically a completely legitimate Jewish king. Because you see, Herod was only appointed to be king by the Roman government. That's the only reason Herod was king. So Herod lived in fear of being deposed as the king. He lived in fear of losing control and then I want you to see in your mind all of a sudden these wise men, 
who were not only people who studied the stars, but they were also political figures. And anytime the wise men showed up in a place, it carried along with it political connotations. And anybody that was in politics or government got really nervous because they knew something was about to happen. And when the wise men appear in one of the greatest understatements of the Bible that we're going to see in just a minute, the Bible says that Herod was very disturbed. So I want you to see today the first response I see to Jesus as king is this, to oppose Jesus as king, to oppose Jesus as king. And we see that represented by Herod, who opposed Jesus as king. If we were to read on down in this scripture and read the story, you probably know the story. Herod opposed Jesus as king so much that he sent out a decree to have all the young male boys under the age of two executed and killed because he was so afraid of another king rising up. He wanted to guard his kingship. But you know, it also represents people who oppose Jesus as king. People who don't want anything to do with church or religion or spirituality and we don't have to look very far to see that every day. We see laws being made in our government every day that are contrary to the very word of our God. And they oppose Jesus as our king. We're going to read on in verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. But I want you to look at this next statement. And all Jerusalem with him. So not only was King Herod disturbed, but the Bible says that all of Jerusalem with him. Think about that. All Jerusalem, all the religious leaders, all the chief high priest, everybody in Jerusalem was disturbed about this thought of a boy being born king of the Jews. Verse 4 says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders of the day. When he called them together, he asked where the Messiah was to be born. In verse 5, they answer him and they say, in Bethlehem, in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. Then they quote scripture. Then they say this, what the Bible declares in Micah, it says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will, become, will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. The second response today that I see to Jesus as king is to dismiss Jesus as king. Dismiss Jesus as king. And we see this represented by the Jewish priest in this passage who they dismissed Jesus as king. What do you mean? They quoted scripture, Micah 5, 2, that prophesied there'd be a king, a ruler, a savior from Bethlehem born in Bethlehem. And you know that Bethlehem was only five miles away from Jerusalem? But what we notice is the chief priests, the religious leaders, the spiritual people of that day 
couldn't go five miles to worship the king, to recognize the king, but it took wise men who the Bible said traveled from afar to worship King Jesus. But that shouldn't be surprising, should it? Because people dismiss Jesus as king even now. I mean, look around. People are not interested in church. People live their lives contrary to the word of God. This time of year, we see that people are more concerned with Christmas gifts, with Christmas parties, with Santa Claus, than with Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords, what Christmas is all about. But yet we dismiss Jesus as king. Reading on. Matthew 2, 11, but the wise men. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. I want you to see today the third response I see to Jesus as king is to bow and worship the king. To bow and worship. And this is represented in the scripture by the wise men who bowed and worshiped Jesus as king. Do you know that bowing is the ultimate posture to show surrender? to show reverence, to show authority. And that's what the wise men did to King Jesus. So here I want you to see the contrast between the way Herod responded to Jesus as king and to the way the wise men responded to Jesus as king. But before you get all high and mighty and all superior and all uppity, I want you to know this. It's worth noting that for many years, a lot of theologians have highlighted how all of us, all people reflect something of Herod's attitude. So what are you talking about, Nolan? You're crazy. We don't like our authority being challenged. We don't want to be told what to do. That's a good one. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't want someone else coming into our life and saying that they are in control or that they are the boss. But you know, that's the challenge of Jesus, isn't it? That's the challenge because Jesus comes to the world, into this world as a king. He's born a king. It's who he is. And the claim of a king, I want you to know, carries with it a claim of authority. And I want you to know this. That Jesus is either Lord of all your life or he's Lord of none of your life. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus is either Lord of all your life 
or he's Lord of none of your life. There is no in-between. We don't get to pick and choose when Jesus is Lord of our life. We can't live like the devil during the week and come on Sunday morning and try to act like we're something special because Jesus needs to be Lord of our life all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in the morning, in the noon time, in the evening, when we go to bed, when we wake up, he is supposed to be our king, Lord of our life. Because Jesus is king. Now this is a big stumbling block for a lot of people. Because we know to make Jesus Lord of our life, we have to renounce ourselves. The Bible says deny yourself, right? You have to give Jesus control. So I want to simply ask you today this question. What then is your response? What is your response? How will you respond to Jesus as the king? Will you oppose him? Will you dismiss him? Or will you bow and worship him? You know, many people know of Jesus. They know of the king, but they don't know the king. Many people want the benefits of the king, but not the rule of the king. Many people want to sit at the king's table and eat of all that the king has to offer but they don't want the rule of the king over their life. But you know, the king, Jesus, stripped himself from the glory of heaven, didn't he? The Bible says that he came in an unexpected way. You see, the Jews expected their king to come and be born in a palace. They expected their king to come in luxury and wear the finest clothes. But Jesus was born in a stable with farm animals. They didn't expect a savior, a messiah, the king from Nazareth, the son of a carpenter to be born how he was. They didn't expect a king who befriended prostitutes. They didn't expect a king who touched lepers and who hung out with the sick people. They didn't expect a king who loved the people that most of the religious leaders of the day rejected. You see, Jesus would hang out with the uneducated, the fishermen, the tax collectors. They never expected a king of the Jews to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. They didn't expect the king to be cheered by the outcast, the immoral, the rejected. They didn't expect to have a king who would stand trial for crimes he didn't commit. 
But you see, he was an innocent king. He was beaten. He was scourged. He was bruised. He was whipped. He was stripped naked. And he was hung on a cross for the world to see for you and for me. And yet he prayed, Father, forgive them. They didn't expect a king to die a shameful death with people mocking him. They expected their king to rule and reign. But King Jesus came to die. That was his purpose for you and for me. And the Bible says, after breathing his last, the earth shook, the sky grew dark, and the world would lose hope because they buried a dead king. So the question I want to ask you today is, what is your response to the king? And you may say, what then is the difference between our king? What is the difference between King Jesus and every other king, every other religious leader that's been come down throughout time? What is the difference between our king and other kings? I had a friend of mine. He was traveling back from a trip on a plane. He found himself seated next to a New York Times best-selling author. And as they got to talking, my friend found out that this author was an atheist. The writer asked my friend, said, what do you do for a living? And my friend said, well, I'm a pastor. You know, God's kind of funny like that, isn't he? Seats a pastor next to an atheist on an airplane where they have to be with each other for an hour. And they got to talking and the writer asked my friend, he said, I'm just curious about something. He said, you know, I don't believe in all that stuff, all that junk. He said, but he said, but I just want to know. He said, I just want to know. And this is the question he asked my friend. He said, what is the difference between Jesus and all the other religious leaders. My friend thought a minute and he said, do you have anybody in mind? And he said, well, I'll just pick one. He said, what's the difference between your Jesus and the Ayatollah Khomeini, the, the, the Iranian leader? What's the difference between the two? My friend thought a minute and he said, well, he said, you know, when, when the Ayatollah died, he said, they took his body. They wrapped it in a shroud, put it in a, a casket, and they paraded that casket out into the Iranian desert. They put a, a royal guard around that casket so nobody could get close. He said, but as they paraded it out in the Iranian desert, people became so frantic. They began to shake the casket, and they got close, and they shook it. And in one of the saddest displays that's ever been broadcast on TV, CNN, C-SPAN. The lifeless body of the Ayatollah fell out on the ground there on that Iranian desert. 
He said, when my Jesus died. He said, they took his body, wrapped it in a shroud, placed it in a borrowed tomb, rolled a stone in place, placed a Roman guard around it night and day. But he said, after three days, my Jesus didn't fall out of the grave. He got up and walked out victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. And I want you to know something else. That somewhere right now, if you were to search, if you were to go over to some country and you were to look for the graves of all the famous kings down throughout history. I don't know who, King George or King Henry VIII or King so-and-so, you name it. And you were to go and you were to find their tomb somewhere. As a matter of fact, if you were to go and search for Buddha's tomb or Muhammad's tomb, and you were to look for it and you found it, on those tombs you would find two dates. You would find two dates. The date they were born and the day they died. But somewhere over in the Holy Land, I want you to know there's a tomb. And on it, there's not two days. There's three days. The day my Jesus was born, the day he died, and the day he rose again. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference between my king, between our king, and every other king. Jesus is alive. He's alive. And right now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, making intercession for you and for me. So I want you to know this isn't about worshiping a baby in a manger. But we're here to worship a king like no other king. The king of kings. The king who heals the sick. The king who sets captives free. The king who restores broken lives. So today I simply ask you, what is your response today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you stand with me today? No one looking around. Maybe you're here today in this place and you've never came to a point in your life where you stopped and you made Jesus King or Lord of your life. Or maybe up to now, maybe he's had just a little bit of it, but you've never given him full control of your life today. So I'm simply going to ask a question. Nobody looking around, just so I know, just so I know who I'm praying for in just a second. If you're here in this room and you'll say, Nolan, that's me. I've never come to a point where I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never given him full control. And today I'm lost and I need him in my life and I want to make him savior. I want to make him king. If that's you, nobody looking around, just me. Would you just simply slip up a hand just so I know today who I'm praying for? Anybody in this room? One more second. We'll give you one more chance. Anybody? Slip it up and right back down. Thank you for being honest with me. Anybody? 
Amen. If you're here in this room today and you say, Nolan, I haven't been living my life like I need to. You see, I was saved long ago, but maybe I've, I've drifted away. I've drifted back. And I need to get back to where God wants me to be to make Him Lord of my life. If that's you in this room, would you just slip up a hand in a show of faith and say, that's me? I'm coming back, God. I know I've been wrong, but I'm coming. Anybody, thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. You can put them right back down. Thank you. I see that, brother. Thank you. Maybe you're here in this room today and you'll say, maybe you have a need in your life. And you don't need some doctor. You don't need some banker. But today you need a king. Today you need the healer. You need the Lord of Lords today to come into your life and to work in your situation. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. It may be your finances. It may be your body today. You may need healing. But if you need a king today with a show of faith, would you just slip up a hand and say, Nolan, that's me. Would you remember, thank you, I see those hands all over the room today. We're about to sing a song called King of Kings. And here's what I want to offer you today. Pastor Gene's going to be down front. Some of our elders are going to come down and they're going to stand in the front today. And if you need somebody to agree with you on any situation in your life, maybe what the enemy has come against you, if you need to spend some time with the king today, I want to challenge you or maybe you just need to come down to this altar today. Maybe you don't need anybody else. Maybe you need to go straight to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in my life. Thank you for being my king today. Thank you, God, that you are my portion today, God. Thank you. I want to challenge you to get out of your seat. And I want to challenge you to move today. And I want you to challenge you to respond by bowing and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are, for all you've done for us, God. And God, I pray for the one in this room today who has never made you Lord of their life. I pray right now, God, that your spirit begins to work on their heart. God, you begin to draw as only you can and show them the way you love and care about them, God. And I pray right now, maybe they would even now step out from their seat and just come down and take the pastor by the hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. God, right now, I pray for the ones in this room who've been struggling, who've been dealing with some junk, whether it be a family issue, God, whether it be a financial issue, God, I pray right now, that they be released from that struggle, God. I pray that the chains are broken off their life right now, God. And I pray that you allow them to bow today and worship the King of Kings in freedom today. God, I speak blessing. I speak peace today, God. I pray you have your way in our time right now. God, you're our King. God, we love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Church of Life's teaching of the week. 
We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.